welcome to another episode of Divine, where Nick and I discuss the intersection of development and design. My name's Tom. I'm a branding-focused designer, and I am here sitting with Nick. G'day, guys. How are we doing? I'm Nick. Um, I'm mainly a developer and run a digital agency out of the Commons here in Melbourne, Australia, with Tomo. Yes. What are we talking about today? Um, today we've got information architecture and how that's uh, in design and development and sort of the whole project space, really. Um, but before I guess we go into that, um, what have you been doing in the past week, Tomo? Past week, I uh, pushed a site that I've been developing live. Nice, nice, nice. Which is so satisfying. Um, yep, yep. And it was just heaps of fun, that yeah. whole process, right. you know. Because, um, yeah, it's just pure problem solving. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we we were talking about it, I think, last week. You know, it's so satisfying to do front-end development because you get these little rewards the whole way yeah, through. It's like, and that time. works. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's so many little celebration. Yeah, there's lots of feedback there. Yeah. Um, so I did that. That was heaps of fun. Uh, yesterday I got a mix back um, of a single that I've been working on. Nice. Um, and it's just really exciting to hear, you know, how it's developed from like – because I was contrasting between like the – demo yeah, track yeah, that yeah. we just like slap together in this it's like far out yeah, yeah um, that's awesome so yeah my, my mate will holden is he's the mixing king shout out to will yep and uh lastly planning a few months in southeast asia oh here we go to do the uh digital nomad thing which yep, is yep. pretty exciting yeah. so we might be having a uh a divine episode the southeast asia edition i'm sure there will be <laughs> yeah. how's your week been <clears throat> yeah it's been um pretty good um well, over the weekend was the Blacksmiths Festival, so that all happened, and that was crazy busy, but went really, really well. Um, and so, yeah, even sort of a few days leading up to that, that was a lot of focus was placed on that. Um, but went through a review recently with one of the larger projects that we just finished, um, which was really good, and sort of now looking ahead at phase two to see what that might be like. And... Um, yeah, I've been doing a bit of consulting for another company and I've just found and sort of locked in um, a new sort of awesome person for a tech role that I've been looking for. So that's really exciting and that could, um, yeah, I'm hoping that might be like the sort of the start of his career in a way almost in that yeah, space. Yeah, that's amazing. And so, it's like exciting slash relieving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I, I cut it pretty thin and um, really should have had somebody a month ago probably. But um, yeah, so hopefully that sort of all happens and the handover's not too bad and I don't have to do too much work in, around there. But um yeah, but other, but mainly it's just exciting. Yeah, so it awesome. should be really good. Um, great. So maybe the best place to start on information architecture is what is it in the web space? Yeah. Okay. So information information architecture. Um, I'm, I'm just going to read a, a definition that I found here. So it's the structure of information on a website and how that information relates to itself and where that information is in relation to the user. So I guess what information architecture it sort of encompasses all the things that all the information, all the categorization, all the hierarchies, all those little pieces and how they sit around the website. And what I like to think or a way of I, I like to describe it is thinking about a mental model of a website or, or any information for that matter. So if you sort of think of a user and imagine how they conceptualize the website, if they weren't sitting in front of it, how would they think about it in its structure, like where the pages sit, where the various types of information sit? So if they're trying to find something, I like to think, okay, what, what sort of representation is in their mind of where they might expect to find something? Does that sort of make sense? Yep. Yeah, okay. So, um, and, and I think a lot of that as well um, 
you know, g- good information architecture is very semantic. I feel like we need a buzzer when every, t- every time I say semantic. Uh. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so good information architecture is semantic. And, and by that, I sort of mean, you know, people should find things where they expect to find them. And that's all about not just putting things in the right spot on a website, but also sort of sort of teaching them about where things should live along the way and then sort of adhering to that same um, way of doing things throughout the whole website. So keeping consistent is, is a big part of it as well. Yeah, okay. And I think um, the thing about information architecture is probably it's it's interesting because it's not, well, it's not usually probably a singular job role. I mean, maybe in some big corporations it might be, um, but I think it's it's lent itself to be part of a lot of different disciplines just because it does affect or it needs to be considered at sort of at each stage. And so by that, I mean, you know, even from the point where you're doing user journeys and wireframing, UI and UX design and development, like every sort of stage in there, there can be considerations for informa- information architecture. So mm. I think it's, it's um, yeah, it's something that anybody can sort of put a little bit of effort into and it's going to improve whatever you're doing. So it's quite multidisciplinary. Yeah, cool. I think, yeah. Um, and really it's like it's a providing or well, having a structure yeah, to, definitely. To the, the content. Yeah, yeah, and a reason or, or a, a helpful way of placing things as well. Um, and in terms of sort of design, how where does it fall in for you, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the main thing that stood out for me is it provides a sense of hierarchy. Right. Um, like, it, so you know <clears throat> the order of importance of the kind of... Yeah, okay. The pieces. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just for example, it's like, all right, this message is, you know, really important or this hero is really important yeah, or yeah. this page is the most important page. This is where we want the user to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so having an understanding of the order of importance is really important before mm-hmm. starting a design because yeah. it's like it's a, you know, it's the information you need to know where to emphasise, like yeah, where to, sure. you know, draw attention to something and where yeah. to... Where to group elements as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And so what sort of are the main ways that you're, I guess, communicating that sort of, um, that hierarchy, I guess? Yeah. So I mean, probably the obvious one would be size, would probably most people would think. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's it's also good um, to only do one of these tricks often. Right, okay. Like if it's, I mean, a classic is you look at, uh, I don't know, a uh, staff party for a corporation a flyers created by <laughs> yeah. you know um word art and comic sense yeah, yeah someone over in hr yeah, and yeah. like you'll see like you know there's the title is bold and it's red and it's underlined yeah and yeah, it's yeah. 64 point and it's got a drop shadow and it's wavy and it's and, looking great it's absolutely and, looking great and maybe there's some clip art you know balloons on top of the letters yeah yeah because um, basically it's like you're emphasising this element 50 times yeah, yeah, when it yeah. only needs to be one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you could have, you know, a font like weight, like something regular, mm-hmm. for example. Um, let's just say, I don't know, circular, regular. Um, and the only thing you change is the size yeah, to yeah. communicate hierarchy. Yeah. Or it's all the same size and you use the weight of yeah. type. Mm-hmm. So you make it light or bold. Or you use colour, or you use negative space. So, like, if you position yeah, okay. something with heaps of space around it, it's communicating to the user that it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
I think those are ways of... Oh, that, yeah, well, firstly, like, it's... Information architecture is really useful for design because it provides a sense of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And those are some ways of um, visually communicating hierarchy. Yeah, cool. So what do you think a typical information architecture would look like for a, for a website project? Yeah, okay, so... And when, when does it happen like, yeah. in, the, in the process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yes, yeah, so I think, like I was saying before, it can happen almost at every step. Um, and I guess, you know, it probably depends on the size of the project, the the requirements of it, what sort of, you know, what sort of budget the client has, all, all kinds of different things. And, you know, depending, like, w- w- yeah, it, it probably wouldn't happen um, in a lot of projects, I'd say, that we normally do. Um, like I said, obviously, there is considerations for it that we do, um, maybe not officially or maybe not, like, mm. actively do. Yeah. Um, but some bigger projects, we can um, have the budget for that. And so, as an example, you might have, um, as part of the user research that you might do at the start of a project, um, you know, the idea is you do the user research and you'd end up with some kind of data around common usage patterns um, and user personas and user flows and things like that. Um, okay. And so a persona is, um, or a user persona is a sort of a description of a fictional person who represents a group or, or a type of people who are going to use your website. So you can sort of use that as a profile to then apply some things to the website and see how that user or that group of people might use the website. Just a helpful way of doing that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so doing user research, um, that's sort of the first step, I guess, um, in terms of starting some information architecture that gives you the, the base data to go from there. Mm-hmm. So once you have that um, and you have... I guess the the copy and the messages and things like that written, um, ideally you're going to have a lot of that content already. Um, and then what you've got to do is, I guess, sort of aggregate all that information that's going to be on the website somewhere um, and including information, I mean, sort of not just copy and things like that, but also the actions or the things that users can do on the website, um, the menu items and categories and, and things like that. So sort of aggregating all that kind of stuff and then figuring out, like you were saying before, figuring out a hierarchy of where all this information really sits or belongs um, from a from a structural point of view or from a from a data point of view, not necessarily like a design layout point of view, but sort of a, a structured, almost like you can think of it as like a web in a way where the most important things are at the top and then everything sort of sits below that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's categorization and tagging and things like that. So the more you can sort of break up this information into logical chunks, um, you know, the, the better people are going to be able to understand it. And and then I guess part of that as well is, is naming conventions. So creating some naming conventions and sticking with them. So like I was saying before, I think you know the consistency is a big part of it. So that once a user uses one part of the website and sort of understands how or where the pieces are and what the language is, then that's easily transferable to any other part of the website. And that makes sort of a consistent way. And the mental model that they create when they first use the site then is sort of um, it's yeah consistent across the rest of the site. So it sort of makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I guess into wireframing. So <clears throat> you can use um, uh, there's lots of uh, I guess decisions around the information architecture when you're doing that. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that's um, again consistency and just seeing and, and applying those user personas and those profiles to see how a user would use the site, what sort of information they are looking for, and making sure that they're able to get it easily. Okay. Um, and then into the design phase, I guess as well, um, and. That is, yeah, I mean, uh, up to you, I guess, in, in terms of designing something and yeah. what that would look like. And, I mean, the, this initial kind of phase when you're talking about how information is categorised and mm-hmm. how it's structured is, am I right in saying that a site map is pretty much a visual representation of that? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's probably one step higher above and, okay. you, and you might want to consider, 
Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, that's the first step, definitely. And then the second more detailed step would be where like looking at a, a singular page and looking at where the information structured on that and how and how those pages and that information links to other pages and their information. So I guess it's about trying to get the user to find the content they're looking for really easily. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or the part of the website they're, they're looking for really easy. Um, so then, and another part, so I guess that's sort of um, more before developers at least, but then from developer territory, it comes down to um, data modeling, I guess, or maybe database design. And so as a developer, you've got to think about um, you know, who and how the website's going to be updated. So are we going to use a CMS? If there is a CMS, how is that built already or how is that designed? And how is the information that we have going to logically fit into this CMS? And how are people going to be able to easily update it and it makes sense in that respect? Mm, advanced custom fields, baby. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. my boy. Advanced custom fields and custom post types. Love it. Um, but yeah, and, and, yeah, and you can think of... In WordPress, at least, you know, a custom post type in a way or can be thought of as almost like a, um, a database table. And so, yeah, it's about sort of keeping those pieces. And again, I'll say it again, but that's, you know, a way of keeping things semantically created in the database. Bum, or, bum, bum. <laughs> um, yeah, in the database or, um, yeah, in, in the CMS backend or whatever it might be. Yeah, cool. So um, did we cover who's responsible for... Information architecture? Um, I guess a little bit. Because you're talking about, like, depending on budget, you might be able to... Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think, like I was saying before, it depends on the size of the business and the project. Um, But I think the cool thing about information architecture is that it is applicable across all those different domains. And so no matter sort of what stage you're in, even, like I said, even if it's not um, sort of part of the budget or part of the process, you can still sort of incorporate some of that thinking Mm. into whatever you're doing, every process that you are doing. I think it can be applicable to all of it. And also sort of, I guess, understanding if if some information architecture work has been done, um, it's good to sort of understand that so that when you're doing your part, whether it's design or development, you can sort of think about it in that way as well and Mm. have that on board as as a guiding sort of thing. So, yeah, and so you're saying sitemaps before as well. So, yeah, um, it is definitely like a nice high-level overview of things. Um, and it's probably a good way of figuring out how that content connects and relates to each other a bit better as well. Giving sort of, I guess that's, you know, the word map is, is in there for that and those connections and how they all work. Yeah, because I almost picture like something like a sitemap <clears throat> if I had to kind of structure the process mm-hmm. of a site I'd, I'd see that as kind of you'd need that to yeah, do wireframes yeah. yeah yeah for sure well you'd need the site map and the kind of user profiles yeah yeah to do wireframes because then you're thinking about the user's journey through this content yeah 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 and i think and then yeah so that sort of will give you that layout and then another and then to sort of de- de- to further develop that mental model a user has then it's good to sort of think of um categorizations of that information and how sort of on the different pages they might be on the same hierarchy level and, yeah, what categories could pull from that and sort of trying to just, yeah, develop that mental model that that user has in their head. While I was um, researching this, <clears throat> I um, read, or was, was, you know, when, when did information architecture start basically and I was sort of looking for that and mm. people seem to suggest it was sort of from like from the 1970s and it was in the realm of cataloging and archival science so like found a lot in libraries and museums and stuff because that's what they're doing right they've got heaps of information that they're trying to make people find easily when they're trying to look for something that is really interesting yeah like organizing really 
complex yeah, yeah. information. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. So that's kind of the root of it. That's sort of what it seemed to suggest, yeah, as, as much as I could find. It, it, yeah, mate, yeah. That's probably the most sort of, like, academic sort of starting of mm. it, I guess. Yeah. Cool. So what are the main takeaways? Yeah, I think for me it's just trying to generally be more aware of information architecture in day-to-day life. And it's not just in website projects or, or digital projects in general, but, like, just anywhere. Try and think of the mental models that you're creating in your mind as you absorb information from different sources and think about... I love sort of thinking when I'm trying to find something on a website, I love thinking, okay, where would I expect to find this thing and let's see if I can find it there. And then that sort of signifies to me, if you can find it, it sort of signifies to me that, okay, the mental model that they've created or allowed me to create in my mind was right. And that sort of says, okay, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, cool. So try and just be aware of it all the time and then that way... And and you do find it everywhere. Um, And so I think that... You know, once you do that, then you can sort of start incorporating thinking that way during whatever process you're you're working on, and it just sort of helps develop that. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have any main takeaways you reckon? Um, well, yeah, I think I think that second point is really important. It it should come first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be a consideration that starts to take place during the design process. Yeah, for example. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the. The more of those initial steps that are removed, the worse the outcome, and you end up having to do twice, three times, four times more work because you end up stepping back through that process yeah, yeah, really yeah. shoddily. If it's not rooted in it, then you sort of yeah yeah come to these wrong conclusions. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. Cool. Well, I reckon that's um that's info architecture yeah. for us. Well, let's wrap it up, and we'll see you next season. See you next season. <laughs> Ciao.